Let me invite you to stand with me and uh, open your Bibles in the book of Psalms, chapter 8. This is a very dear passage uh, to me personally. Growing up in the Philippines and trying everything I can to know him and uh, by a way to get to the heaven, but I get tired trying everything, but not until I heard the gospel and came to know Jesus Christ in a personal way. And I'm reading this Psalm chapter 8 before you. It's made more personal and special that what is in man that God is so mindful of me, that he remembers and he thinks of me. What is in me that he cares so much and paying attention to a young boy in the province in the Philippines uh, made it to the major city and then made it to Philly. And then what a treat, made it to Nashville. Meet all of you. And then get a chance today of listening to our musicians two times. That is a treat, right? Let me read to you what the psalm or the psalmist mentioned about this and what he discovered. Lord, our Lord, how magnificent is your name throughout the earth. You have covered the heavens with your majesty. From the mouths of infants and nursing babies, you have established a stronghold on account of your adversaries in order to silence the enemy and the avenger. When I observe your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you set in place, what is a human being? that you remember him, a son of man that you look after him. You made him a little less than God and crowned him with glory and honor. You made him ruler over the works of your hands. You put everything under his feet, all the sheep and oxen, as well as the animals in the wild, the birds of the sky, and the fish of the sea that pass through the currents of the seas. And then he repeated what's been mentioned in the opening of the psalm. Verse 9, Lord, our Lord, how magnificent is your name throughout the earth. May the Lord bless the reading of the word. Let me say a prayer and ask the Spirit to move in our place and Fill us. Father, in Jesus' name, we're here, Father, to listen to you and hearken to your voice. May your spirit, Father, help us listen attentively. And I pray that we will be convicted by your spirit so that we will respond by faith. And will continue, Father, to be marveled in awe of who you are and how you see each of us. 
we live in a, a troubling times, but we find comfort in you, knowing you're in charge. You are sovereign Lord. We submit to you, Father, our listening ears, our will to you. In Jesus' name we pray. God's people say, Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Psalm chapter 8. In this psalm, David marveled the glorious of the glorious Lord of heaven, whose name is excellent and should graciously use people in the earth's dominion to fulfill, to fulfill his very purpose. And so I started with the rhetorical question that you can find in verse number four, so that we will have the depth an appreciation of who we are before God because it said, what is in man? David said, that you are mindful of him. What is in me? What is in you? That God cares so much. Just some chapter 8, it gave me a comfort that when I served for the past 20 years here in America, different ethnicity. Diverse in culture and language, and, and yet I see the hand of God. I might be having a hard time understanding each language and culture every weekend when I was in, in Pennsylvania and now here with the Southern Baptist Convention, but I have that special you know, heart for each of them as I listen. And uh, many of my friends say, how come that you understand them so clearly? How come that you understand them very well compared to us? I said, because I live and I breathe same air and same, you know, where coming from here in America, we understand each other very well. And so every time, you know, the phone rang and it's a different accent, uh, Peter Yannis get it. Uh, somebody's inquiring any ethnicity, you know, Middle Eastern, name it. Caribbean, Asian, and Peter Yannis' office will be on it. I just went to the fourth floor the past few days, and our Southern Baptist Archive Library librarian said, Peter, uh, there's two Chinese, you know, leaders or Chinese pastors or maybe Christians, and they're, they're doing a PhD research. And I said, uh, you, you know what, Let, let's do it this way. Every time you see coming to the library and doing research. Uh, here's my calling card, here's my business card. Send them to my office. And we will talk some more about diversity, ethnicity, and how special we are before our God. What the world thinks of man is one thing. But what God thinks is another and it's the most important thing. God says that no matter what others may think of you, no matter what you may think of yourself, what you might be hearing from, from your friends, from co-workers, from out there, they don't matter. What matters to me and you should be what God says and how God sees you 
as his creation. In the context, David looks at God first, then he shifted his attention to you and me. He looks at the man through the lens of God and through the eyes of God. There are two truths that we can find in Psalm chapter 8 to answer the question, what is in man? So that the more we will understand, you know, that rhetorical question of what is in you, what's in you, that you're special before our God. And this is a comfort to many of us. Many, a comfort to many of us that we struggle about our identity because the world is the one giving us the standard. They are not. It should be the scripture. It should be God and how God sees you and how God perceives you and what the scripture said. And here's the first truth. In verses 1 and 2, When the psalmist said, Lord, our Lord, how magnificent is your name throughout the earth. You have covered the heavens with your majesty. From the mounts of infants and nursing babies, you have established a stronghold on account of your adversaries in order to silence the enemy and the avenger. What is in man that God is mindful of us, that he's so caring so much on us? Here's the first truth. The psalmist discovered that there's nothing like God, there's nothing like Him whom you and I serve. No one that you can compare to God. No one that you can compare to the one who created the vast universe and and made you special. No one that you can compare to Him whom we serve. He is majestic. According to verse number one, the name that is the revealed character of God is exalted above all creation. The word majestic suggests splendor and magnificence. It describes the exaltation or his glory as being high above the earth. And I think the same experience when I say I went to the temple and, and the temple being engulfed by the glory of God. And so when you go out there at night and you gaze the sky, you will be amazed how vast and how beautiful. And then you will be, oh, God is so excellent and majestic. He's naming God and the glory of God engulfed the whole universe. I know that will be a different story here because when I said stargazing, uh, I discovered there's only eight places that you can go to. In in USA to enjoy stargazing, one in Hawaii and Pennsylvania and other places. But in the Philippines where I grew up, it's a different story. You know, I'm just like, I I think a mile away from the beach, and there at night with a clear sky, dark sky, and you will see thousands upon thousands and millions of stars every dry season. And that will be depending where you're from. So I grew up stargazing and enjoying seeing the universe, how vast and how beautiful it is. And it's what the psalmist discovered here as David, and we know he's, uh, you know, David the, the shepherd. And if you go to chapter 9, actually, the title there t- talks about the champion and, and referring to when he fought and defeated Goliath. 
And so he's a young boy here, experienced, and knew exactly what this guy looked like. And so he said, when I go out and start gazing, I see God. I see God. And then verse number two, two from the mouths of the infants, the nursing babies, you have established a stronghold. And he's referring to God's strength. That, that even in infants and nursing babies, we will see how God is so all-powerful and all-strong. Uh, David marveled that God uses strength uh, from children to silence his enemies. Uh, the idea is that the Lord has ordained that the weakest shall confound the strong. And remember, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 27 said, instead, God has chosen what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. And God has chosen what is weak in the world to shame the strong. And with this, the psalmist said, mankind, even weak children and infants, they show and they represent and you see exactly and experience God's strength. Uh, we have a series that we love uh, watching, you know, Irene and I, we love anything about science. And uh, um, so we have this series that we watch, and we were so amazed how they do, you know, uh, transplant liver, transplant heart to a week's old, a, a baby. And it's so amazed that if it's already viable, they do everything they can to save the baby. And it amazes me how they do it. It's so delicate, right? How, how fragile but, but precious life. But you see God's strength in them. You see God's power in them. There's nothing like God whom you and I serve. And so if you are being confronted with a question and doubt of saying, who am I in this world? Well, your question should be who God is. That he's so mindful of me. And then you go back to the truth who God is. And that will provide a huge difference to comfort you. The second truth we find in the passage, not only there's nothing like God whom you and I serve, but it is more getting excited here in the text. Because the second truth is about there's nothing like you, like me, like us, that God made special. When God created, you know, on the first and everything he said, it's good. But when he created the man, he said it was very good. It was very good. Among all of his creation, it is only us that God breathed life to the nostril and became a living soul. It is only you and I. His, there's nothing like you whom God made as special. Let me read through again the text because it matters. It helps us. When I observe the heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you set in place, what is human being that you remember him, a son of man that you look after him? You made him little less than God or angelic beings and crowned him with glory and honor. 
You made him ruler over the works of your hands. You put everything under his feet, all the sheep and oxen, as well as the animals in the wild. So the psalmist first observed the great work of creation, including heavens, the moon, and the stars. And he just uses the phrase as God's finger work. Wow. Would that amaze you that he's referring to look at all the vast universe and they're just God's finger work. And then was amazed that the finite, the finite man, in Hebrew, we were uh, described as uh, the mortal weak man. The finite man should have such a responsibility over it. What made you special before God? And so when D David looked up into the sky, he thought he was seeing all this vast chasm of creation that we call the universe. But even David did not know then what we know today. But he was already amazed looking up in the sky. A little bit of information here that I love to share. When you look up into that night sky at what we call the Milky Way, you look at a galaxy of 100 billion suns. And there's a soft, fuzzy glow amid those stars. We call it the next galaxy. <laughs> we call it the neighbor galaxy. We call it Androm Andromeda or technically termed M31. It is a spiral galaxy with billions of stars bright enough to be seen by the naked eye on the dark moonless nights. And so again, if you grow up in the Philippines, you get a chance, a great treat of gazing the sky and you can easily point, especially in the month of June or May and June when it's a dry season and you will see all of the sparkling sky, uh, stars above the sky. Well, uh, this neighbor galaxy is not exactly what you call our neighbor or next door neighbor. It amazes me that people, you know, with a brilliant mind, they do calculations. And uh, he, here's what I found, and it amazes me. If you could travel at the speed of light, 186,000 miles a second, fast enough to make 37 round trips and a half across the United States in one second flat, you would shoot past the moon in second and a half, past the sun in eight minutes. Before your first day was over, you would be out of our solar system. Four years later, you would pass the nearest star, and 10,000 years later, you would leave your galaxy, the Milky Way. Now, how much longer would it take to reach our next galaxy, Andromeda, traveling at this speed? Any guess? Two million years. Wow. And someone with a brilliant mind do calculation of this just to tell you uh, we're just among many of the planets and stars God created out there. But there's nothing like you and me that God made special. 
It is not even the universe, not even the Milky Way, it's not even the Andromeda, it's not even the clusters of stars that you stargaze every night. The psalmist shifted who God is and then paid attention to, Lord, who am I? A young shepherd boy defeated Goliath. But I'm going to bring the same question to all of us today. What is in you? That God is so mindful of you. What is in you? That God cares so much. And yet, and yet we worry so much of many other things. And the world standard is we're trying to chase it. And we're getting tired because we are doing it wrong. We're looking on something that is temporal. We're looking at something that God never even created for eternity, meant for eternity. We forgot that every time we look at mirror, you see yourself, you should see God. You should see God through you. Moving here from the Philippines, uh, I have a, you ask my wife, I have a gift of strong sense of smell. No, seriously. Uh, I, 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 I manage it very well now for the past many years, but I'm telling you, I feel dizzy and I feel vomiting every single time I go out. Uh, I'm used to the scent of you know, near to the beach and sent of the Filipinos, I guess. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. But it led me to see that there's more than the Filipinos that God made special. Um, we spend so much time in Philly, in Philadelphia, that we appreciate what we're lacking here is, you know, that diversity. And we love travel back, fly back to Philly and enjoy that and the food and the people. And, well, I see God. There's a church that I preach and the, and the women is on the other side and the man is on the other side. And I, I needed to preach in English and somebody has to translate. That is my every weekend. But, but I enjoy different flavor and culture and worship. And then learn my way too that, you know, I asked the pastor, the Haitian pastor, he's considered the bishop in, in greater Philadelphia. And so they have this harvest festival, you know, Haitian churches from Haiti, uh, from, from other places, Boston, New York, Canada will, will come and thousands of them. And I said, remember, and he invited me to preach at the harvest festival and the pastor is a good friend of mine. And he will, I will ask him right away because I knew it already. I've been to different services. And, okay, tell me, Pastor, what time you needed me there? What time I needed to show up? Because they have like pre-service, three hours of singing and dancing. <laughs> but, the, but the time you preach, you're tired. <laughs> and I manage it well, too, that Irene will always say, all right, eat well. Uh, referring to Christian and Shekinah, let's have a big breakfast. <laughs> because we knew it. You know, that will start at 9, but I'll be in the pulpit preaching around 12 noon. And we're done the service around 2 or 3 o'clock, and oh boy, 
And so we mastered it. But I'm telling you, with all of those that had the front row seat, experiencing all of this, coming over here in Nashville three years ago. So I had a big, you know, understanding and, and, and the beauty of different culture and different language and different people. Isaiah 40, verse 26. Lift up your eyes on high and see who has created these things, who brings out their host by number. He calls them all by name, by the greatness of his mind and the strength of his power, not one is missing. But here I see just mentioning and talking about the created things, the host by the number. But that would not be comparable to you and me that God made special. He said, this is just a very dear psalm and a very dear chapter for me. What is in me that God is mindful of me? God, uh, uh, when you look up into the night, as I've said, just remember God created the stars. He counted the stars. He called the stars and now controls the stars. But he wouldn't be moved and ask the question to the stars, what is in you, stars, that I'm mindful of you? Because that question is reserved only for you and for me. Here's three important uh, truths on, on there's nothing like us whom God made special because I don't want to skip this because this is very important. If you look at closely on verse number four, on your screen, uh, verse number four, what is human being that you remember him? And, and here's the first one. He thinks of you. That is verse number four. He thinks of you. Uh, there's nothing to be compared to you. You're special to God because verse number four said, He thinks of you. He remembers you. Or another translation, He is mindful of you. And so this question in verse number four emphasizes that man is insignificant creature in the universe, yet God remembers him immensely. God thinks of him. Uh, David can't believe that the man has God's attention. Uh, the word remember or mindful means to pay attention to. It is a special. Uh, remember, you know, husbands and wives, uh, uh, you know, one is talking and we needed to pay attention to, you know, undivided attention. But with God is exercising this, he's exercising undivided attention, paying attention to what's going on in you. And so when you pray God, as even the psalmist said, he inclined his ear upon you and he listens and he understands you have God's undivided attention. Every time you need God, even you think like you don't need God at all, God's attention is on you. So it is amazing, it is amazing to know that God pays attention to us as one poet by the name Margaret Wendell said, Oh God who cradles the moon in your arm, and hangs the stars in space. Mighty creator of the universe, 
God of time and space. Before the beginning of time, you were there. And after it ends, you will be. From everlasting to everlasting, you are. And still, you are mindful of me. What a beautiful poem, right? He who stays, you will be, and you're still mindful of me. At Psalm 40, verse 5. Lord my God, you have done many things. Your wondrous works and your plans for us, none can compare with you. If I were to report and speak of them, they are more than can be told. Uh, you have heard the phrase, out of sight, out of mind. <laughs> well, I'm telling you, you are never out of his sight and you're never <laughs> out of his mind. God thinks on you. On the second part of verse number four, you see this phrase, a son of man that you look after him. Not only that he thinks of you, he cares for you. We have heard this many times. Pastor Jason preached on this topic a thousand times. Uh, that's the word look after or visit. It means to care for. Not only does God think about me, God cares about me. His affection is on us. God doesn't love us because we are valuable. We are valuable because God loves us. That is a fact. Uh, it's the reason why Jesus said in Mark 8, 36, for what does it benefit someone uh, to gain the whole world and yet lose his life? Because you know why? You are worth more to God than this entire universe. First Peter 5, 7, a verse that we go to all the time, casting all your cares on him because he cares about you. So we can take comfort and be encouraged by the certain, undeniable truth that God cares. Uh, the exhortation here, if you study this, go back. This is chapter 5, 1 Peter chapter 5. But you go back to chapter 4, uh, Christians are experiencing suffering. But verse 19 made it clear that they, he referred to the suffering according to the will of God, meaning nothing happens to you that God will be surprised. God allowed it to happen for a reason. God, that's how he cares for you. But when we come to verse number 7 of chapter 5, it is apparent that their suffering was causing them anxiety. They were beginning to worry. The word care, meaning anxiety or fearful and painful and easiness of the mind. Well, I began, I said, I feel nervous because seeing Pastor Jason is here and that my eagles will be playing at 2 o'clock. Uh, it, it is a usual anxiety, but not painful not an easiness to the mind that you couldn't even move, right? And this is the word that crippling, this is the crippling sin of worry that our Lord said, choking the word of God, and you become unfruitful. And you can find it in Matthew 13, verse 22. And so to a point that there's an easiness of the mind, and it already in control of your emotion and of your action, the way you behave. And then the Bible says, this is the crippling sin of worry. Well, I'm not worried that eagles will be playing in against 
49ers this afternoon. I'm very hopeful. I'm very hopeful. I prepared my Super Bowl jacket um, to wear it during the game, and hopefully I can wear it the whole week. I intend to wear it in the office too. This week, and we will see Dr. Willie McLaurin how he will react. That's the plan. So stay, stay with me and pray with me, right? <laughs> and here's the last. And, and he ended up in verses 5 to 7. And here's the last. You made him little less than God and crowned him with glory and honor. And that not only telling you that God thinks on you, of you, God God, God cares for you, but here's, I think we struggle with this. He believes in you. On, on, on the original creation, when he created Adam and Eve, you know, the intent is they will rule over all of the creation. You know the story, because in the, in the book of Hebrews chapter 6, that will be peacock, because Adam sinned, and then it never, you know, realized, the full realization of dominion never realized because of what? Because of sin. And so if you go to Hebrews chapter 6, and it will be referred directly to the Lord Jesus Christ. So Psalm chapter 8 can be a messianic psalm. Because the Lord Jesus Christ fulfilled, never been fulfilled. And the Lord Jesus Christ will return soon. And the Lord Jesus Christ will reign with us. For eternity. And so that intent from the very beginning, it will still be fulfilled uh, through the Lord Jesus Christ. But within the context here, when, when I said he believes in you, God's creation, man is described as one of power and dignity. Man was created God's own representative on earth over the creation. David was amazed that God should exalt finite man to such a place of honor. Man is God's masterpiece of creation. Uh, with all of this, you know, falls and fables and all of the failures of man, there is the majesty of man because God has created him and crowned him. Well, let me say this. With all of those two truths and three important reminders that there's nothing like God whom you and I serve and there's nothing like you because God made you special and reminding you that God remembers you every single time. He's thinking on you right now. And that when he's thinking on you, he knew what, is, what, what are your struggles, what you're going through. And he cares for you. He meant that. He's there for you, more than a friend, but a father to a son. And that he believes in you. Remember Jim Irwin, James Benson Irwin? James Benson Irwin is the eighth man that walked on the moon in 1971, July of 1971. Realize I'm reading a transcript. Uh, Baptist Press transcript. Um, it's not classified, by the way, so. <laughs> so, they left July 26 until August 7th, so about 11, 12 days. 
And it said that they stayed almost three days walking in the moon, collecting rocks and uh, uh, core samples. And then here's what I found. That prior to that, they visited Nassau Baptist Church in Houston, where he's from, where he became a, a part of the church. And the second daughter got saved. And she's supposed to follow the Lord Jesus Christ and the water of baptism. But they decided to wait until dad, you know, came back to earth or comes back to earth. So that's the, that's the plan. So he's not that faithful and, you know, he's just a nominal, nominal believer as many. But here's his testimony and you, you find this in the internet, but on the Baptist press cover two days later, how Pastor Rittenhouse is so scared with, with the mission and how the church is praying for him and, and the community of the Southern Baptist churches because he made it to the Baptist press. <laughs> so all of those churches praying for Jim Irwin. Here's his testimony when he came back. When I looked out and saw the earth, only as big as little marble, I thought, how big am I? I'm just a speck of dust. If that big compared to the universe, and yet this little speck has the capacity to know God, to know the one who holds the universe, to know his love and have his direction, I realized then that God loved that little blue marble called earth, that little planet. He loved all the billions of people on it. And most of all, he loved me. It was there on the moon looking into the vastness of the universe that I realized that my relationship with Jesus Christ was the most precious thing I had. What a powerful truth. To the rhetorical question in verse number four, what is in man that God remembers him? that God cares so much of him. And he concluded in verse number nine, went back again to the truth, who God is. Lord, our Lord, how magnificent is your name throughout the earth. The psalmist begun with God, shifted it to the man, and how you're special before God. But he concluded to the fact who God is. I think you see the pattern there. You see the pattern there. It never diminishes who God is, even if we fail him. Through, though God requires holiness and, and, and faithfulness from us, he's still the God of grace, the God of mercy. You can always count on him, no matter what, because you are special to him. Always remember that. There is no regret about God creating you and choosing you to be his. God remained the majestic God, the sovereign Lord. He thinks of you. 
He cares for you. He believes on you. Now it's your turn. Show it to the world, to your friends, co-workers, classmates, what you are made of. You are made, created, created after the image of God. You know, it means a lot to us that you would come here today and be a part of who we are. It, it really does matter to us more than you might realize. Sometimes I think we underestimate the power we have to influence people. You know, if you would look around your world, you'd be amazed at how many people would receive what you have to say to them. You could be a digital missionary. You don't have to post everything on Facebook or we're not asking you to go on your favorite social platform, but I would challenge you to look around your world. I guarantee you might have a friend, even in a different state or another part of the world, something was said today, whether a sermon, a prayer, a song, something was said that could mean a lot to them, man, send it to them. You'd be amazed at how much of a difference that could make.